That's good news for Zuleika, is it? Uh, but that, uh, that's good, well, good news for, um, Sarah's the one that's buying the house. Oh, yes. And, uh, so they're just kind of waiting on the fine, fine details to, to complete it. But she's already got the builder she wants, so praise yes. the Lord. Amen. Yeah, but, but definitely good news for Zuleika yeah. every yeah, day. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, that, that specific, yeah, that specific question yeah. was about good Sarah, but yeah, it's good, good news for Zuleika every, every day. Us. Yeah, it's good news for all of us every all day. Us. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Amen. yeah, I was just answering that specific question, but yeah, it's good news for all of us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When half flat was sticking, we, um, I used to see sailboards on the way to the village, to, and I used to speak to them and say, you're agreed, you're sold. You're sold. Mm. And now they, they are beginning to be sold. Praise God. <laughs> showing. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were, uh, working for somebody else and yes. it's it's kind of like the verse that says pray for one another that you may be healed you know so <laughs> so you pray pray for one another that you may be sold yeah that you may be sold yeah <laughs> praise god amen you think we need to be sold and healed like yeah. shoes. praise god amen hallelujah Hallelujah. Frank's isolation before the hospital procedure. Okay, yeah, you, you told me that. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, I've already turned my recorder on, uh, um, so we'll, we'll mention that at the end, okay? So, so yeah, we'll, we'll pray for that at the end. Thanks, thanks for reminding me. That's, that's why we're not at Guildford. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that last time you were here. Yeah, we mentioned that. So, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Father, we just lift up this word to you, Father, and we pray for that all of us, Father, have... Uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are open to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And Father, I pray that you'll give me utterance to speak accurately and clearly. And Father, we want to go up to another level. Uh, we desire to uh, be blessed and to be a blessing. And Father, you desire that for us. So Father, we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And Father, we uh, uh, desire to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Is the volume okay? Can you hear me all right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah, can hear you. Proverbs 28 20. Uh, we're going to continue about. Uh, on faithfulness, faithful and blessed, and the benefits and rewards of being faithful. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To abound means to have in large numbers or amounts. 
It comes from the Latin word for abundance that means a wave or a surge of overflow. A wave or a surge of overflow. And um, Jerry Savelle has called this year the year of abundant overflow. Last year was the year of supernatural increase. Uh, and I can say I experienced some of that, amen. And this is the year of abundant overflow. The New Living Translation says, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. The NIV says, A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. The Common English Bible says, Reliable people will have abundant blessings but those with get-rich-quick schemes won't go unpunished. And we mentioned last time our main objective is not just to be rich, but we want to be blessed. And we want to be blessed in order to be a blessing. Uh, this is what many Christians do not hang around long enough to understand. Uh, they hear little snippets of the word here and there, and they accuse us of being greedy and selfish. Uh, but they're the ones that are saying, well, I have enough for me. My basic needs are met. I don't need or want every more. Uh, if every believer had that philosophy, then the kingdom of God could never advance. We would either be standing still all the time or most likely going backward. Uh, the I have enough and my basic needs are met attitude, uh, uh, you know, is, is that's really the selfish and greedy uh, attitude. Uh, that was not the attitude of the early church in the book of Acts. The church not only increased in numbers of people being saved, but they also increased in material uh, resources and finances um, to the point that they were liberally just sharing uh, you know they would sell a piece of land and and uh, you know come bring an offering and so forth so um, there were no no needs among the people all the needs were met uh, they they became a channel of blessing for God to be able to minister to other people they weren't just blessed, uh, but they became a blessing in the kingdom. And that's, that's where we want to be. We, we don't want to just be uh, inwardly focused all the time. Uh, Jerry Savelle has a very good definition for blessing, and I want to share it with you. This is his definition of a blessing. An instrument through which God's divine favor flows, bringing joy, happiness, and preventing misfortune in the lives of others. An instrument through which God's divine favor flows, bringing joy, happiness, and preventing misfortune in the lives of others. That's what we do when we become a blessing. So what kind of person is going to abound with these blessings? A faithful one. 
a faithful one. When we read this verse, we tend to focus on the abounding in blessings, and that's God's part. We, we like that part, but our part, being faithful, is often overlooked. The faithful shall abound with blessings. Uh, it doesn't say everybody that comes to church. It doesn't say everybody that makes Jesus their Savior will abound with blessings. We need to focus on the faithful part. Now, last time we looked at Luke 16, 10 to 12, which talks about the way God increases us. He gives us a little, and he sees what we do with it. He starts us out with a little resources, a little opportunities. And when we value that and use it to its full potential, he then begins to increase and add more to us. Uh, for those who do not value and use the little that they start out with, they stay where they are. And if they continue to be unfaithful with little, then they're in danger of losing what they have. Uh, Jesus also touched on this in Mark 4 and Matthew 6, 33. Uh, these scriptures are all connected. You know, Jesus says, To him who has, more shall be given, and to him who does not have, he shall be taken, even that which he has. So that's connected uh, with what we're talking about here. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So it's all connected with faithfulness. Whether or not we get to handle more and be involved in more is dependent on us being faithful with what we have in our hand and under our control right now. Uh, Jesus said uh, there in Luke uh, 16 that the material, uh, natural wealth of this world is not true riches. They're temporary. But the point is the way we handle these uh, and manage these material resources that are here under our control and at our disposal, the way we handle these material things either qualifies us or disqualifies us from handling and managing true riches now in this lifetime and also in eternity. So how we handle the little determines if we get more and when we get more and how much more we get. If you keep on being faithful, then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you can write this down. Everything here in this life is qualifying us for the next. Everything here in this life is qualifying us for the next. Uh, God does not promote with the same system that the world promotes with. Uh, in the, the world down here, uh, people get, or they believe they get promoted by qualifications and connections and contacts and walking all over people and 
that kind of thing. This is not the way God promotes. That may be the way the world promotes, but that's not God's system. This is a summary of what Jesus said in Luke 16. We like to hear about the hundredfold, the abounding with blessings, uh, but that's God's part, and God's faithful to do his part. We don't have to... Uh, we don't have to be concerned about that. We need to focus on our part, which is valuing and using what we have right now, seeking first the kingdom. Uh, we've mentioned previously about the seven pillars uh, of society, the seven pillars that make up every nation and every society. Uh, all of these pillars influence a nation, business, government, media, entertainment, family, church slash religion, and education. And whoever controls these seven pillars of every society can literally shape and control an entire nation. And what we are seeing playing out on the streets of cities around the world right now and in the halls of government is the harvest of the church's failure to occupy each of these pillars of influence. Now this is why God desires that, that we be able to handle more resources and have more under our control is to bring the world back into a godly influence. To, to, that we have a bigger voice, a louder voice, to reach more people with more. That's why, we're, that's why it's important that we be faithful with what the little that we have because God desires and needs us to be able to handle more. If we're going to shape and influence a nation, we've got to be able to handle more than what we're handling right now and definitely more than what we have in the past. This is the will of God. He desires us to be faithful so he can add more to us. But we have to qualify for the reward. Uh, and, you know, we've all made mistakes. We've all goofed up. But the good part is God doesn't give up on us. He holds the reward in reserve for us. Amen? It's on standby. Uh, the word provision is made up of two words, provision, before seeing. Before seeing. Um, Jehovah Jireh is another one of the redemptive names of God in the Old Testament. It means the God who sees ahead. Provision, the God who sees ahead. God our provider. And he's already made provision for us, and he's counting on us being faithful. Many times we think we're waiting on God to add to us and take us up to another level, but he's waiting on us to pass the faithfulness test uh, with what we have already been given. So the question is not, why, God, why don't you just give this to me? Uh, we have to be completely faithful and obedient and when we do things will start happening and sometimes it's just a matter of making some minor adjustments you know 
we, we may have thought we were doing something right, and if we find out it's not, then we just make some adjustments and things begin to happen and take off. Many times, uh, also, if God were to add to us what we think we want and need at the time, we would not be able to handle it at that point. So sometimes that's another reason that, that things are delayed. Now let's turn uh, back a few pages to Proverbs 15, uh, 25. Proverbs 25, 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. The uh, complete Jewish Bible says, relying on an untrustworthy person in a time of trouble is like relying on a broken tooth or an unsteady leg. The expanded Bible says, trusting unfaithful people when you are in trouble is like eating with a broken tooth or walking with a crippled foot. The good news says, depending on an unreliable person in a crisis, is like trying to chew on a loose tooth or walk with a crippled foot. Uh, a tooth, your tooth and your foot are body parts that have to be able to hold you up and sustain uh, pressure. They have to be able to, to be steady and reliable when pressure is put on them. When you chew, you're relying on that tooth to uh, put enough pressure on that food to grind it up and to crush it. And when you walk, you take a step, you're depending on that foot to be steadfast and reliable and to hold you up when you put your weight on it, when pressure's applied to it. Uh, so if a tooth breaks and gives way, and it's not there for you when you need it, that's an unfaithful tooth. And a foot, you know, you put your foot out, take a step, if it just rolls over, if it just rolls over on the side and it doesn't hold you up, it's not there when you need it, that's an unfaithful foot. Also, a, a broken tooth uh, and a, a crippled foot could also uh, be painful. So when we uh, put our trust in unfaithful people and, and we expose ourselves to unfaithful people, there's likely to be some pain involved in it as well because they're going to let you down, aren't they? Unfaithful people are going to let you down and there may be some pain involved. So this verse says we should not put confidence in an unfaithful person. A faithful man or woman is a person who is there, one you can count on, and one that bears up under the uh, test or under the pressure. Now, uh, hold your place there for a second, and let's turn to um, Psalm 12. Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. The NIV uh, is a little more clear. It says, Help, Lord, 
For no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. <laughs> the contemporary English version says, Please help me, Lord. All who were faithful and all who were loyal have disappeared. This uh, indicates that faithfulness is rare. Uh, in today's culture, I mean, just getting Christians to be faithful to come to church is difficult. It's rare, you know, to get Christians to, to come sit under the Word of God, much less do anything beyond that. Uh, in a recent poll this year, in America, church attendance is at a historic low. In this country, there are thousands of Christians who are not in church, they are not in a ministry like this, they are not in any Christian fellowship of any kind. They're not sitting under the Word of God in a Christian fellowship anywhere. And some of them will not even sit on their sofa in a Zoom meeting like all of you faithful people. Some will not even, when you bring church to them, and send them an invitation. Uh, yet, most of these people want to be blessed. They want to be promoted. But they are disqualifying themselves, and they are not waiting on God. So faith itself is rare. Uh, didn't Jesus say when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That indicates he's looking, and it's, it's rare. It's rare to find it. Uh, the body of Christ is being shaken right now, and Christians are lining up on one side or the other. There are churches, ministries, and preachers who are faithful to the Word of God. They will not compromise or dilute the word. They still preach the authority of God's word and uh, that it's without error and that it's infallible. Uh, they believe that the word of God does not need to be updated with the times that we're living in. Doesn't need to be updated to be accepted by the culture at this time. Then there are other churches, preachers and ministries who are liberal in their theology and their politics, and they're accepting and promoting left-wing, progressive, Marxist philosophies of socialism and communism, which are all contrary to the word of God, and they are bringing it into the church. There's actually a movement right now called the Emergent Church, and this is what it's all about. And there are ministries that are lining up on that side. Uh, there's a big, big split right now in the Southern Baptist Church in America, which is probably the largest denomination of all, maybe, I don't know about Catholic, but uh, there's a huge split in the Southern Baptist Church right now over this very thing, the validity of God's word, and God said what he meant, and. And I heard a, a statistic the other day from David Barton. There are 384,000 churches and preachers in America, and over 100,000 of them, which is about 72%, do not believe in the basic elementary principles of the Bible. 
So this is where we are. I believe the wheat and the tares are already beginning to be separated. So what are we talking about? We're talking about faithful, faithful to the word to begin with. Faithful to the word. Uh, verse 2 in uh, Psalm 12. Uh, they speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The uh, easy-to-read version says, people lie to their neighbors. They say whatever they think people want to hear. So lying is a form of being unfaithful. That's a major form of being unfaithful. Uh, we won't turn there, but you can write down Proverbs 14, 5 says, a faithful witness will not lie. A faithful witness will not lie. One of the great attributes of God is that he cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Hebrews 6.18. If God ever lied one time, then you could never trust anything else he ever said again. The, the first thing you would think of was, well, he lied last time. Can we trust what he's saying this time? So that's one of the great attributes of God is that he cannot lie. He is faithful. Uh, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 20, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? Again, this indicates that faith, faithfulness is a rare quality. And it indicates that a faithful person is difficult to find. The easy-to-read version says, You might call many people your friends. It is hard to find someone who can really be trusted. The Good News translation says, uh, everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is, but just try to find someone who really is. <laughs> then the New Living Translation says, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Uh, write this down. Faithful people are more loyal to the one who sent them. Faithful people are more loyal to the one who sent them than they are to themselves. Faithful people are more loyal to the person who sent them than they are to themselves. In other words, they are not self-promoting. They're not in it for themselves. They're not in it for the credit. Um, let's turn over a few pages to Proverbs 25, 13. You know, I mean, it makes you feel good if, if, if another person thinks you're faithful. You know, that makes you feel good. But I can't think of any higher compliment for God to call you faithful. I mean, that's about as high, high as a compliment as uh, is, is you could receive. Proverbs 25, 13. 
As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Like coal, if you're out working in the harvest on a hot day, cold snow would be refreshing, wouldn't it? If you're working out in sweltering heat, uh, the thought of cold snow would be refreshing to you. In the same way, a faithful messenger is refreshing to the one who sent them. The easy-to-read version says, to his master who sent him, a messenger can be trusted, a messenger who can be trusted is as refreshing as a drink of cold water on a hot summer day. The message translation says, reliable friends who do what they say are like cool drinks and sweltering heat, refreshing. So when you do encounter real faithfulness uh, with people, it's like having an ice cold Pepsi on a sweltering day, isn't it? Mm. Or, or uh, in the South, in America, we'd say a, an ice iced tea, glass of iced tea on a hot day. So in the midst of a lying, deceiving, unreliable world, here we're talking about somebody who keeps their word and does what they say they're going to do. You don't even have to check up on these people. You can, you can leave them to what they've been assigned to do, the way it's supposed to be done, and you don't even have to check up on them. See, if, see that they're doing it properly. It's refreshing because it's a quality of God and it's rare. Uh, people in the Bible who, who were promoted, trusted, and used by God were faithful. Uh, we won't turn there, but write down Genesis 18, 19. Speaking of Abraham, or Abram, it says, this is God speaking, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of Jehovah to do righteousness and justice. In Nehemiah 9, 7, and 8, also speaking of Abraham, um, it says, Thou art the Lord, the God who didst choose Abram, and brought us him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gave us him the name of Abraham, and found us his heart faithful before thee, and made us a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and so forth. And in Galatians 3.9, it says, So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So, you know, when, when we're talking about faithful people and faith, even faithful, faithful people in the Bible, it doesn't mean that they never made a mistake. You know, Abraham made some mistakes. Moses made some mistakes. But over a period of time, and that's an important phrase, over a period of time, 
they demonstrated to God that he could trust them and he could, they would value the things of God. Abraham, God knew that he saw his, God saw Abraham's heart. He knew that Abraham would value his word and the things of God and it, it wouldn't stop there. He would teach them to his children month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And, and over this period of time, Abraham proved himself to be faithful and obedient to God time and time again. It started out with, with something just like leave your home, leave your land, uh, go, go to a place he didn't even know where he was going. Uh, circumcise all the males in your family. Uh, he was faithful to do all these things. And, and even though he made some mistakes along the way, over time, he demonstrated to God that he could be trusted with more. And the more he, faithful he was, you can see in the Bible the bigger and the bigger things got. And uh, it reached a point where God said, I'm going to make a covenant with this man. That's how much God trusted him. Uh, I mean, this is like this man's descendants are going to bring forth Jesus, okay? So this is a big deal, you know? I mean, God had to have somebody uh, that this thing was going to be founded on. And Abraham's the man that he chose. And it says because he was faithful and he would teach and train his children to value the things of God. Um, so because of this, God made a covenant with Abraham. And uh, when it came to the biggest instruction of all, the, the offering up of Isaac. Uh, Abraham was obedient and faithful to do that. And because um, Abraham was willing, he was willing to sacrifice his only son. When God saw his heart and he saw he was willing to do that, it gave God the legal right to offer his only son, Jesus, for all of mankind. Can you see why God had him do this? And all these tests over, you know, this period of time, he passed all these tests and then he passed the ultimate test. He was willing to sacrifice his only son and then it gave God a legal right that he could sacrifice his son, Jesus, for us. This is huge. So God increased him more and more. In Genesis 13, 2, it says, And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And verses 14, 15 says, God said, Look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. So this thing just got huge where it just became all, I mean, much, much more land than the, than the nation of Israel covers right now. Israel at the moment is just a tiny sliver. It's the, the land that Israel now occupies is a tiny sliver of what God gave Abraham. Like what God promised Abraham is much, much larger than present-day Israel. 
and the whole world is trying to pressure them into giving up what little sliver they haven't given away. But that's not going to happen. Amen. Uh, he, Hebrews 3.5 says of Moses, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Uh, being faithful is not just doing the best that you can or putting a lot of effort into something. Faithful is doing it exactly the way you were instructed, exactly the way God said, exactly the way the person who's asked you to do this thing said. Um, it's not adding to something. It's not taking away from it. It's not substituting something else. You know, if you copy or duplicate something, if you're faithful to the original, it's going to be exactly like the original. It will be exactly, if it's a faithful duplication or a faithful copy, it will be exactly like the original. So when you are faithful, you don't deviate from the original. If a person adds to or takes away from the Bible, if they try to make it say something that it doesn't say, that's unfaithful. And to change what God said uh, is about as arrogant and prideful as you can get. Um, you know, they're basically saying, well, I know more than God knows. And I know what God really meant. You know, he was confused about what he really meant. He, he, you know, he didn't really say what he meant. And he didn't really mean what he said. So I need to clarify this and interpret this according to the way I see it, you know. Um, this is not only prideful and arrogant, it's also dangerous. In Revelation 22:19, it says, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Moses was faithful to build the tabernacle in the wilderness exactly the way God instructed him to do it. Uh, God gave him specific measurements. It's supposed to be this many feet long and this many feet wide and this thing's supposed to be made out of bronze and that thing's supposed to be made out of silver and that thing's supposed to be made out of gold and that wall's supposed to be covered with a specific type of fabric and, and so forth. Uh, and there was a reason for this. All of those things are symbolic. They're all symbols of something spiritual. They all have meaning. So uh, it wasn't up to Moses and the people building this thing just to say, oh, well, God said 30 feet wide, but 18's good enough. You know what I mean? It, they could not take the liberty. And when people take liberties to start changing things up, they're being unfaithful. Um, Jesus is the perfect example of faithfulness. Did Jesus do things his way? No, he didn't. But if anybody ever qualified to do things his way, it would be him. But in John 5, 19, 
Jesus said, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I see my Father say. He didn't do his own thing. He didn't substitute. Verse uh, 30 of John 5, he said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Now, Jesus had flesh just like we do. And we've talked in the past about how there are Christians who believe that Jesus uh, healed people and did miracles as God. And we've talked about how in Philippians, um, it says that he emptied himself of all his divine abilities and privileges, and he came to earth as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was God and man on the earth. And Jesus had flesh just like we do. And in Hebrews it says, he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. And we see this, we see the big example of it in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus, his flesh recoiled at having to submit his will to God's will. That's what the suffering was about. That's why he shed drops of blood. And he agonized over this. He went back and forth two or three times, you know, and prayed about this. His flesh was recoiling at the thought of having to give up his way and his will, because he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But there wasn't any other way. And this agony that caused him to shed blood, sweat blood, was over giving way to his own will and submitting himself to God's will. Uh, in Hebrews 5.8, it says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now this is not talking about Jesus suffering sickness or poverty or anything under the curse. Jesus never suffered like that. Uh, the suffering Jesus did was not getting his own way. And that's our problem with our flesh. Our flesh, we all have flesh and we all want our own way. Um, uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy having to submit your will to somebody else's. And, and the suffering Jesus did there in the Garden of Gethsemane was suffering not getting his own way, but submitting his will to God's will. Uh, when it comes to the flesh, it's all about me. You know, it's all about me. The flesh uh, wants to have its own way, and it wants to do things its own way. It does not want to be inconvenienced, and it does not want to be uncomfortable. When you hear somebody say, 
Uh, oh, it's easy for me to submit to other people. Uh, they'll probably lie about other things as well because it's not easy for anybody to submit to somebody else. It, it's just not easy for anybody because we all have flesh and we all have a better idea and we all uh, want to have our own way. Now, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians 4, 1. What is faithfulness? Verse 1 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required, underline that word, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What is a steward? A steward is someone who manages or handles somebody else's resources. Someone who manages or handles somebody else's resources. So if they're not our resources and we're managing them for somebody else, how should we handle them? The way they want them handled. The way the owner wants them handled. That's the way we handle them, not the way we think's best. The expanded Bible says, uh, Now in this way, those who are trusted with something valuable must show they are worthy of that trust. The Amplified Bible says, In this case, moreover, it is required as essential and demanded of stewards that one be found faithful and trustworthy. Uh, the Living Bible uh, is good. This, this brings out the point that uh, a faithful person doesn't just do their own thing. Uh, the Living Bible says, Now the most important thing about a servant or a steward is that he does just what his master tells him to. What was that verse? What's the verse? First Corinthians 4, 2. Thank you. The Living Bible. The most important thing about a servant or a steward is that he does just what his master tells him to. I mentioned that with, when it comes to the flesh, it's all about me. You know, we all think we have a better idea and a better way. But faithful people are not self-promoting. They're not looking for the credit. They're not trying to draw attention to themselves. They're not in it for themselves. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned Moses, uh, how faithful he was, but uh, and especially building the tabernacle. But you know, when it uh, where he really got into trouble. Uh, the one big, big mistake he made, um, 
You know, the first time they ran out of water out there in the wilderness, in the desert, and uh, God told Moses, take your rod and hit the rock and water will come out. And he obeyed and he did that. And I, I noticed, I was counting up, I counted about 11 times, I think, in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy in there, I've counted and I, I stopped it about 11 times where it says, and Moses and Aaron did as God commanded them. And Moses and Aaron did as God commanded them. And I, I counted up at least 11 times where it says they were faithful to do what God commanded them to do. But the next time uh, they got, they came up in the desert without water. What did God tell Moses to do that time? Hit the rock again because it worked the first time? No. God didn't say hit, hit the rock with the, with the rod again. This time, God said, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock and the water will come out. Is that what Moses did? No. He had a better idea. <laughs> he, this, this was the one time he was unfaithful. And one of the reasons was he, had, he was up to here with these griping, complaining, rebellious people. Uh, and they, they finally, this rebellion got off onto Moses and it infected him. And, and Moses got so fed up with it, now he has a rebellious attitude. And, and that's why it's important who you hang around. Um, Moses said, you rebels, are we going to have to get water out of this rock for you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's this we going to get water out of a rock? We never got water out of a rock. We never did nothing. God got the water out of the rock. And this is what got Moses in trouble and this is why God did not allow him to go into the promised land because, because Moses, whether he meant to or not, God said, you did not sanctify me in front of the people. In other words, you didn't glorify me by speaking to the rock so that the people would see I'm the one that provided the water, not you. And, and by, by hitting that rock again, um, it left the impression that it drew the attention to Moses and what he could do, and, and, and it, all the attention was on Moses, that he provided the water. And God said, no, I provide the water, and I wanted you to demonstrate and, and show the people that by speaking to the rock, I'm the one that provided the water. And he didn't do that. And this is the one time it got him into big trouble. So on that occasion, he, Moses had a better idea. But um, this was a problem. He drew attention to himself, and his flesh got the best of him there. And it cost him big time. Faithful people realize that they are representing someone else. And this was the thing with Moses. Moses was representing God. Yeah. 
And he was to uh, draw the people's attention toward God, not toward himself. And this is what got him into trouble. Faithful people are not looking for praise or glory or people bragging on them. Now, Jesus referred to this in Luke 17, where he talked about there, the servant comes in from the field. Uh, the servant comes in from the field where he's working. Does he sit down to be waited on? No. He gets up and he serves the master. He serves the master and then he eats. Jesus said, do you thank this servant for doing what he was assigned to do? No. He says, you don't thank the servant for doing what he was assigned to do. The servant says, we were unprofitable servants. We just did what was our duty. And that word unprofitable means uh, undeserving. We don't deserve any praise. We don't deserve any credit for just doing what we were told to do. It was our duty. We didn't go, God's not looking for people to go over and beyond, uh, to climb the highest mountain, swim the deepest ocean, just, just, do what, just do what you were told to do, you know? And people tend to want to go over and beyond, and this is when they begin to deviate from what they were told. They, they think, well, if I put in extra effort and I go beyond, I go the extra mile, many times they miss it. They weren't asked to go the extra mile. They were just asked to do something basic. So Jesus, Jesus referred to this. Um, he said, no, the servant says, we're unprofitable servants. We're just doing what we were uh, told to do. So God desires that we be a bigger part of what he is doing. And just like any parent who's, who has good things happen for them and who's, you know, maybe having success in their business or something like that, uh, they love their kids and it's natural that they want their kids to be more involved and they want to be able to turn more over to them. But they're foolish if they turn more over to their kids when their kids are not faithful. Amen? And we're, I think we're going to look at this maybe next time we're going to continue along this line. Uh, God wants to put more opportunities, more resources uh, under our control, more revelation. But we've got to be uh, faithful. Amen? He needs us involved in what he's doing and we've got to demonstrate over a period of time that we are faithful. Now, I realize I'm pretty much preaching to the choir today. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the people that probably need to hear this the most are not here. Uh, they're missing out. They're disqualifying themselves from the blessings of God. And they are not waiting on God. Uh, you know, in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus made this statement, and I, you know, thought about it from time to time. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. And I always kind of wondered, you know, uh, what did that mean? But this begins to shed more light on what Jesus was talking about there. If many are called, then why aren't many chosen? 
because many are unfaithful. That's why many are not chosen. Many are unfaithful. The few that are chosen are the few that are faithful. And that answers that question right there. The narrow gate and the wide gate. Yeah, Nancy talked about in, uh, entering the narrow gate and the wide gate. Yeah, uh, uh, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many people are going through that gate, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. Um, now, none of us, having said that, none of us have ever been 100% faithful. You know, we've all... We've all missed it. Um, you know, I, could, I can look back and see times I was zealous, you know, but I was also ignorant. <laughs> and I was uh, immature, you know. But God's mercies are new every morning. Amen? And we can start over tomorrow just like we were never unfaithful. Hallelujah. So this is, this is uh, where... This is where we're going. We can start all over tomorrow. We just need to make the quality decision that we're going to be faithful and we're going to follow through. Amen? Because we want God to be able to put more under our control, uh, more resources to reach more people. Amen? We have a big job. God has a big job to do. Now, I mentioned the, the word quality decision. Brother Copeland says a quality decision is one in which there is no retreat. A quality decision is one in which there is no retreat. Amen? So we just need to make the quality decision that regardless of what anybody else does, we are going to be faithful. Amen? And we're going to qualify for more in this lifetime and in eternity. Amen? So let's say this together. I want to be faithful. I purpose to be faithful. By the grace of God. I will stand before the Master and hear. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen.